Welcome to the Gen Z Show, the only show dedicated to young leaders and those who work with them to create a positive revolution that will inspire this generation to impact future generations. With your host, James McLean. Welcome to the Gen Z Show. I'm your host today. Jen, why did I say host today? I'm their host every week. But this is I'm James McLam, and I'm joined today uh, by my great friend Kenzie Shelley. How are you doing, Kenzie? Hey, James. I'm doing really good. Um, I'm so excited to to be on this call with you today. It's going to be awesome. We had a wonderful call today with Miss Tracy Morrow. Now. You may have never heard that name before, but afterwards, you're going to want to look her up. You want to connect with her. Uh, she is a life coach, a health coach, a speaker, uh, a, a health, uh, you know, fitness trainer. Has has she, You may have even seen her before on some of Beachbody's workout programs, as she is one of the uh, uh, participants in that as well. But most importantly, she just dropped some wisdom bombs on us today about leadership, about striving for significance. What was some of the takeaways that you have from our discussion? Yeah. So James mentioned all of the things that Tracy does, but she's also a wife and a mom. And mm. she used those experiences to form, not curriculum, but she used those experiences to, she uses them to teach others and to serve other people um, she really talks about significance versus success and how we can find significance in our own life to help others. And it is an amazing conversation. It's so relevant to everyone in this day and age. I mean, you're really going to enjoy this conversation with Tracy. It really went into a really deep dive into how you can create a culture of significance in your family. And I just love this conversation. It was so much fun for me. It was so reaffirming for me that I'm excited to share it with you. So let's go to our interview with Miss Tracy Morrow. Welcome to the Gen Z Show. Thank you so much for being willing to, to join us today and, and share. Of course, I'm honored to be here. Well, I have known you and known about you for quite a long time since my first uh, uh, vir virtual going into uh, be the Beachbody world because that, that is how I met you, uh, mm -hmm. being a coach through that. <laughs> and then also uh, through uh, some things that John Maxwell has done, I, I met you yeah. there as well. I think that was the first time we met. But our audience, this is maybe their first time. Kenzie and I did a little introduction. Would you mind sharing a little bit about yourself so our audience will get to know you as well? Sure, I'd be happy to. Well, I am blessed to have been a part of a couple of great organizations, and that is Beachbody, helping people to really take back and own their health. Um, and also John Maxwell who, oh my gosh, if you haven't heard of John Maxwell, go look him up right now and read one of his books as soon as you can. Um, because he really, I heard about John Maxwell when I was 21 and started learning from him and reading about him. And I really like, I, I have no idea who I would be apart from John uh, reading his books and, and really stepping into the kind of leader um, that I feel like 
I was just really made to be. John is so great about, um, you know, kind of leading and showing the way of how to step into leadership first in the home. So I have been married for 31 years to uh, my best friend and husband, Casey, and we have six kids. Four of them are adults. One is married with our grandson and uh, and then one, another daughter is getting married in just a few months. And we still have two teenagers in the home. And so I started using John's leadership um stuff for developing my family. Truly, as I developed as a leader in my home, I was a youth pastor for 11 years to junior and senior high schoolers. And and then as I developed my business um, for helping people with uh, weight loss and really taking back the reins of their health and fitness. So that's a little bit about me. We, we just recently moved from Los Angeles born and raised LA people. Uh, and um, we've been living for the last year, we were a COVID move. And so we moved to Colorado Springs and are loving it here. Absolutely loving it. Is it snowing there yet where you're at? We have had one little dusting when our, which was just such a little gift because our kids had come home for Thanksgiving and we had a little dusting for a couple hours and then the sun came right back out, but none yet. It has been, it feels like we're in LA still. It is sunny. The sun is shining. The sky is blue. So we're waiting for that snow. Well, I'm sure that you'll, you'll get a plenty of snow coming up pretty soon. We can't wait. You're, you're excited to find that. One of the things that, that I was have been so excited about uh, talking with you about is a statement that you list on your website, which we're going to share uh, the, how people can connect with you about that at the end of the show. And as a statement, I wanted to read it and make sure I got it right. Success will never satisfy once you have tasted significance, which you define significance as serving and equipping other leaders to taste success for themselves. That's I it. love that. I love trying to build folks from success to significance, but let's unpack that really. Let's first unpack it for, for youth so that they understand what it means, you know, mm -hmm. because I, I think, and Kenzie, you, you might agree to this, that most youth, late teens up in the mid twenties, they're thinking of success as being, hey, I want to make a great grade. I want to accomplish something athletically. I want to get in this school. I might mm -hmm. want to get this, and then I want to get this job. But we know that's not the end all. So mm -hmm. just just kind of unpack where you came from on that and how that can apply to you. For me, or were you were you saying Kinsey? No, for you. For you. Okay. Um, so for for me, what that means to me is I, I feel like how we're wired from the time we're kids, starting in sports, really, but but it's being the being number one, being first, proving yourself to be the winner and uh, getting that top grade. And, and then as you get out into the business world, into, into actually the world, realizing that it, it really is much more of a collaboration and it's not about beating other people, but becoming your best self alongside of other people who are becoming them, their best selves and doing something really powerful together. So it's not so much competing against other people, but completing one another as you work collaboratively as a team. And that was just mind blowing to me. Um, and something that I just, uh, you know, I didn't come up with a statement that Success never satisfies once you've tasted significance. I, I I know Zig has said those things. I know John has said those things. I know countless leaders have said those things. It's not a new concept, 
but it feels new when it hits your brain for like in a new way. Like, oh, I thought I was striving so hard to beat everybody else. And when you realize I'm I'm not supposed to be competing against them, we're actually supposed supposed to team up and complete one another and do our thing and be our best together, um, then I just feel like that changes everything because it takes me out of this panic, internal panic to be the best and to it's isolating. That's kind of leadership is that kind of mentality of leadership is it's isolating instead of when you think, Hey, we're supposed to be together. We're supposed to be working together. Life is about relationships and, and doing big, important things together, accomplishing significant things together rather than all by ourselves then I find that both freeing, but also invigorating and actually helped me personally to accomplish more than I could when I was trying to really fly solo and just be the best. I think that's it. Go ahead, Kins. Sorry, I was going to say, I think what you said is also huge um, coming from youth or the young adult standpoint. Sure. world of social media and Instagram and Facebook um, young people compare themselves to and everyone around them. And so, you know, they think of success as having a lot of followers, having a lot of money, being the best at whatever you're doing, like you said. Um, so I think that that finding significance and being able to teach significance is so huge for, for young people, especially. Absolutely. And, and it's, it creates this idea of you, us, and them, and me, and them, and getting fans and people to adore me and cheer me on, and what can I do to to serve them up the next thing that they're expecting of me? And that's a lot of pressure. It's unnecessary pressure. It's not actually real life. It puts you into this performance place rather than really seeking to bring my best to serve you. I don't want you to cheer me on. I want to serve you in such a way that you can become the best version of you, not sidelined being in awe of me, thinking you can never be as good as me as social media would have you think. And, and meanwhile, inside, I don't feel like I'm doing my best because I'm just trying to perform to, for your applause or your likes. And so to me, really getting into that place of like, hey, let's be real with one another. And I don't want you to cheer me on. I don't want you to be my fan. John Maxwell will say, I don't want fans. I want friends. Right. When he'll speak, he'll say, I, my name is John and I'm your friend. And what that does is that says, don't don't put me up on a pedestal. I'm a human being. I make mistakes. There are, I'm, there are things that I, I'm, I'm a work in progress as well, but let's work together and bring out the best in one another. That's powerful. How do we convince youth of this, to not just seek success, but seek significance? Really, I guess asking them what's in it, you know, cause they're going to look at it and say, so what's in it for me? You know, so how do we, how do we get them to buy into this? Well, I'll just say from a parenting perspective, that language needs to start at home. Those kind of conversations where we aren't pitting sibling against sibling, for instance, you know, it's a common thing for parents to try to get our kids to jump through the hoops that we need to happen for the home life to function properly, that we kind of create that competitiveness among siblings, sometimes on purpose and sometimes 
just trying to, in the busyness of life, trying to get things done and inspiring them, but instead using the language that creating a culture at home where they understand they're a part of something bigger than themselves, but that they need to bring their best in order for the full family to function at its best. Because if one person is not doing bringing their A game, then the family is not operating at its best if everybody doesn't bring their best. And giving them, I can remember, you know, um, I didn't grow up in a perfect family, but I grew up in a pretty great family. And I, I believe that my parents really put the, the language in there that, that we had something to bring to the world that someone that God gave to us that that we needed to that we were responsible for that we were that we were stewards of that we needed to show up with or else that was lacking wherever we showed up whether that was at school or on a sports team or in a in a community group that we are part of or a church group that we are part of or eventually our career and so mm -hmm. um i think it honestly i really believe a lot of this starts at home and we have shortchanged the family and and what and the value of what, what starts at home and carries outward. You got any practical ideas that, you know, I'm, I'm mom and dad, I'm listening to this, I'm watching this and I'm thinking, wow, I, I would love to have that kind of language culture, but I don't even know where to start. We we're so far, you know, we've been teaching our children to drive for success because that's what we wanted to do. How do I, how do I start? Tracy, help me. Yeah. <laughs> I think we all are in that place. Like we want to have that perfect family, but it's not about perfection. So take that, taking that off the table of, you know, releasing into society, the perfect child and having them represent our family in the perfect way, but also at the same time, setting a bar and a standard that they're, that, that they have, um, that they want to rise to meet without feeling undue pressure for perfection. And so it, there's a learning curve. So for sure, parents, I say, I mean, my husband, Casey and I, we did not get it right all the time by any means, but one, loving your kids through, uh, as they grow into themselves and really helping them understand who they are. So we, we were big on assessments in our family and you might be listening to that and saying like, that sounds like you ran your family like a company, but the truth of the matter is, is that you, when you have kids, we have six kids, four of them are biological, two of them are adopted. And that's those two are from two separate families. So that's a lot of different biological inputs into our one family culture. And so you, when you have kids, you don't just have mini me's by any means. Our, all six of our kids could not be more different from them, each other and from us. I mean, there are little strains from being in this family culture that are, that are similar, but they're really wired the same. And you get these kids plopped into your family and it's our goal to not mold them into us but to really unpack and discover how they are hardwired and help them to become the best version of themselves. So assessments, we did personality assessments. Mm -hmm. We did strengths assessments. We did love language assessments. We did, um, and you know, I did enough of these, James, you probably know, know these from doing these in, in your world, but you do enough of these with people as you start to recognize it in your own kids. You know, right now, Right now, um, the Enneagram is really big and I'm just starting to learn it. But before that, we were really, uh, I really have used Personality Plus uh, by the author Florence Litauer. I've used that for years in my business 
just so I can, I can talk to a person in the way that their brain and their personality best receives it. And I want to do the same for my kids. And by the time, like some of these, some of my kids, by the time they did some of the assessments, they were in their teenage years. And I would say, oh, I was loving you in the way that I receive love. And that is words of affirmation. So I would, and, and I love to give gifts. Interestingly, I, I'm not a big gift receiver, but I love both my husband. And I love to give gifts. And so I would give gifts and I would pull, shower words over them of all the things I see in them, not fluffy words, but like real true solid words of their character and who they are and what I appreciate about them and, and what I see in them and what um, you know, I'm a person of faith. So I, I would pray over them and speak words of life over them. Well, um, it, when they were in their high school years and I found out about that assessment, um, we took that love language assessment, um, words of affirmation was last on the list of my teenage daughter, my oldest teenage daughter. I have three. And so when, when I learned about that, it was like a light went off for me because I felt like we were talking two completely different languages. She literally felt so un loved by me and I could not get it because I was loving her with everything in me and we were just really missing each other. Well, her number one on love language, number five was words of affirmation. So I was speaking something that didn't even connect with her. I might as well have been speaking Russian and neither of us speak Russian. And, and her number one was quality time. And for me, quality time is dead last for me. I will rather be like multitasking while we have a powerful conversation, but I'm folding laundry or I'm putting stuff away. I mean, I've got, I'm a mom of six kids and I run two businesses and I'm trying to keep things going. And so I will have those conversations, but to sit down, if I sit down, I am at risk of falling asleep. So, so I'm like multitasking. So she felt very unseen, unvalued, unheard by me. And so those were the kinds of conversations. So do you see how, so how she might go outside of the home and the family culture to be seen, valued, loved, and heard if she didn't feel like I was, I was doing everything in my power to show her how much I cared and loved for her. And as far as I knew, and she didn't hear it at all. And so you might be feeling those if you're a parent and you're like, oh my gosh, I am not. I am not connecting with my kid and you want me to be able to ha have this deep connection so that I can empower my kid to bring their A game to the world. I can't even connect with them. It might just be that we haven't, I think of them like, remember when you're in, when you show up to school, I don't know if they even do it, do it anymore, but in the old days, they used to give you a locker combination and, and you just put it on your lock, you put the lock on your locker and you had a three, three number code. And to me, I think each kid is kind of like, your personality is the first number. And then you crank it back two, and the next one is their love language. And then you crank it one more the other way. And that's how they're motivated. And then, you know, there's even more, there's their strengths and their, you know, all those kinds of things. And so as you do that and you, you can speak life into them in the way that they receive it and love into them and they say, feel seen, valued, heard, and, and known, and then you can have those often conversations. So I had to go back. Let me just quickly say. I had to go back to this, this particular child and say, this is how I show love. And do you see how it's your number five? And this is how you receive love. And this is your number one and my number five. And so if you were to go back and every time I said that, pretend that was a time of me showing you and sitting down with you, moving forward, 
I'm going to take you out for coffee. I'm going to sit down and not fall asleep. I'm going to make the effort to love you in a way that is very contrary to what is natural for me because it is what you need. Um, and moving forward, everything changed from that point on because, wow, mom made, mom made a real effort to meet me where I was at, what mattered to me. And then she heard me. And then as I talked to her about all the things that what we just talked about is bringing your best self to the world, first you have to be found. And when you feel found, then you can show up in a different way. I, I've told the, the my guests before that I use these calls almost as personal counseling session and coaching session. <laughs> me that, too. That has really spoke to me mm. um, in, a, in a really powerful way. That was, that was, and plus I had a whole new idea for a workshop based on the locker code thing. I was like, that is brilliant. I'm, using that. I'm stealing that. I'm so, glad. Steal away. <laughs> you know, Mr. Ziegler said the first time you, you use somebody else's stuff, you'd attribute to them. So I'll say the first time, you know, Tracy Marlon suggests this. The second time I'll say someone I know. So I've heard. Third time would be, as I've always said. So. <laughs> I think John quotes Zig for that often. <laughs> he probably says, as I've always said, because yes. now he's a... Uh, Yes. He's been doing it for it's so true. long. So you're going to see a workshop one day and you were like, that was mine. Okay. <laughs> that was, I've never thought about using the assessments to help, help them in that profound a way to help them buy in, buy into the culture. That is, that's really, that's really enlightening. See, this is what I was talking about beforehand. Our discussions sometimes go in directions I never think about and I always grow from it. Yeah. Good. I love that. I love, well, I took blood, sweat, and tears and a whole lot of hurt and hurt conversations with my kids at, to figure all these things out. And, and so that's why I teach it. Cause it's like, Hey, this came at a cost for me. This came at a price, these lessons. And so I, if I can save that someone else having to pay that price, if you can take the price I paid and learn from it and it adds value to your relationships so that you have success in your relationships, that's the significance that I'm talking about. Like every person listening to this has had something happen in their life where you have found success through blood, sweat, tears, and hurt, and you have grabbed a beautiful lesson that came at a price that significance when you can pass it on to someone else and save them having to pay the same price. You know, you said something in there and I don't want our audience to miss it is that you want to, to be able to connect with them. So they are not going outside of the family culture mm -hmm. for that kind of mm -hmm. affirmation. Yeah. That was people that's profound because that is what we see as a major issue is, is you going to other places cause they don't feel valued. They don't feel connected spouses going outside because they don't feel value. They don't feel connected. Uh, that's profound. And I don't want the audience to miss that uh, on that. So Kenzie's starting her new little family. I'm hoping this is his second to her. So, I mean, I mean, you just got married in the last couple of years is what I mean. Oh, that's, I thought, Oh, you're giving an announcement. <laughs> no, no, well, not. By the time people hear this. Yes. I, um, I did married. I didn't mean to do that. I really didn't mean to do that. I <laughs> a little over. Then everything that you're saying is actually awesome because 
I found out about six weeks ago that I am pregnant. <laughs> oh, congratulations. Yeah, so exciting. Um, so everything mm -hmm. you're saying is like, it's registering in a different way. Mm -hmm. So it is, it's so awesome to hear, you know, from a parent's point of view of these kind of things. And also um, we are starting a, a new business and everything that you're saying about um, making people feel valued and significant, that applies, like James said, in a marriage and relationships, but also in a company and in a business. I think absolutely because oftentimes, you know, you hire somebody and you don't really know them and they work for you for a while and you, you can't figure out how to make them feel valued or how to get the most out of somebody. Mm -hmm. But figuring out not necessarily their love language, but what makes them tick, what makes them feel valued, what makes them want to be there is so right. big. I think that that's huge. Yeah. And, and to me, I think also when you are, when you are fulfilling that need in at home with your kids or young adult kids, then they aren't needing to waste time getting that, getting seen valued outside the home. They should be instead looking to see, I have something to bring to this world. What is that? But instead they're distracted by the basics of trying to see be seen and valued and and recognized as important and so you get it almost creates a narcissism where they're continually and and social media feeds that because they're continually looking to to feel have something deep within them met and that need is what you're a person of value and you will have value to bring to this world and if you are spending your whole life needing people to tell you you're a value, you're a value, you're a value, then you never get to part B, which is, and you have something to bring to this world. It just stays about you. And so a dysfunctional piece needs to be healed inside of us. And that's why I say it starts in the home, because I think when the home gets, when we get the, we have, we've kind of dis disconnected from getting the home life healthy. Um, I just wrote a book and it's due out the first part of next year on marriage and, and, and even peel back even before the kids uh, is having a healthy partnership and marriage so that then how you interact with your kids is in a healthy way so that when you interact with your kids in the healthy way, then your kids can launch out into the world and, and show up differently outside of the home. So it's just kind of this snowball effect that, you have to kind of just keep taking steps back to say, okay, get settled back to, okay, who am I taking those assessments for myself? Then what do I bring to my marriage if I am married? And then what do I bring into to my kids? And what am I sending them out into the world for? That's and awesome. with. Congratulations on your book. Thank you. So Thank how, you. How have these tools and, you know, everything you've learned from your kids and self-assessments, how has that contributed to your business as a trainer in fitness? Oh, it has so much. That's a great question. So much because people are not overweight. I hate to keep beating up the family, but I don't mean to beat up the family. What I want to do is put the family back up into an important position that we have, we have kind of, um, taken it off, off, off of that position that it needs to be in. Mm -hmm. People are overweight and, in an have food has become a position, a place in their life that other things were meant to, to fill. And so what I find with people who are needing to lose weight, it's not because they love 
ho-hos or Twinkies? Are those even foods that you can buy anymore? It's not, it's not, it's not that. It, it's truly because food has become love and reward and consolation and a friend and family and, and something that is nostalgia. And, and while food does have a part that can be a small piece of that, it's not supposed to play that huge of a piece. If you have to, in order to set a food aside for a while or to say, you know, this is not really serving my body and the makeup of my body very well. I'm, I'm not going to do that because I'm, I need to get rid of some stored body fuel or body fat um, because I've eat, take consumed more that I burned. So now I've stored that fuel and now I need to burn what I've stored. Uh, and so what I find is that people have to typically go back and deal with things that happen in their family of origin. Typically it's things that they didn't feel seen, valued, heard, loved that it all comes back to that. It's so crazy to me, but in this, in this world of um, where it seems like we're the most connected of all, I think we just are so isolated and getting back to really healing some things in us and meeting some needs in ourselves um, and speaking to those things in us that are, were left lacking and healing through them. I've sent, I've spent, a, send a lot of my clients and team members and have gone myself to therapy and counseling to face head on. There is no shame, ever any shame in facing head on something that you can't get past that you're dysfunctionally operating we are, we really can move forward with, with pain. We are, we are designed to move forward and heal, grow forward. But if you don't heal something, you can kind of, kind of gimp along sort of like you, you, you move forward, but you've got something that is healed incorrectly um, for the, for the sake of moving forward, but it's not actually healed. And so going back and addressing that, yeah, it hurts to revisit it again. But what I find is that People really do need to revisit that. And so what I loved about youth ministry, let me just say, circling it back to like kind of tying all the pieces together. What I love about youth ministry and dealing with kids and young adults is they're really honest. They're really honest and they're, they, they, they don't have a lifetime of covering it up and suppressing it and pushing it down and ignoring it and, and, and trying to move forward and, and without addressing it. They're much more apt to to look at it and, and visit it with someone who feels safe. And so what I love about those, those years where we could sit down with kids and sit down with young adults, the kid, the guy, the men and women who are on our team, who were young adults, you know, serving the high schoolers and junior hires. Um, it is that while you're serving someone else, your pain always can be used as a purpose. Your pain always can be turned once you heal it can be used to help someone else who has that similar pain. So what we did as youth, youth ministers, as youth leaders, is that we took our college age kids and our young adults, and, and we poured into them and helped them work through some stuff so that then as they worked through stuff with the high schoolers and middle schoolers, they, they could very, uh, from their own personal experiences, say, hey, this is what I did to work through this. And so the beauty of working with young people is that we can we can help them feel seen, valued, heard, and and known, even if they aren't getting that at home. 
And then we can help heal, help them as they heal through that before they become an adult. So it's this beautiful, um, it's this beautiful thing of like, hey, get some healing yourself, turn around and help someone else heal, and then turn around and help them heal someone else. And the cycle of that is just, you feel so connected to other human beings through your pain and through healing through pain. Wow. Yeah, when As we've been talking, I was reminded of uh, one of Tom Ziegler's workshops that he does. It's the four S's, which you're taking folks from survival to stability, from stability to significant uh, success, and from success to significance. And I love that. That that's what you've been guiding us through uh, over the last you know duration of this call. Is that and that's powerful to realize. And most of the time, when they talk about, it, they're talking about people as individuals taking themselves through it or their companies through it. But mm-hmm. you know, as you've laid it out, that's even more significant working with youth and, and inside the family culture. I just love. Yeah. I just love the direction this is going today. <laughs> well, you know, I wanted. I just want to say, James, it's not difficult. What we're talking about here is it's not something that you have to have a degree in. I mean, this is something you just have to be willing to do the work yourself to, to, to work through what's holding you back and then being willing to open up yourself to help somebody else. And that is the significance I'm talking about when I say, once you taste that personal success does not satisfy because once you have the success of healing through something and, and laying down a burden you've been carrying for far too long, and I know I'm talking to somebody in the audience right now, I know that somebody is hearing me and they're like, I have been carrying this for far too long, like a big backpack full of rocks. And I, every day I put on this backpack full of rocks and I'm tired of carrying this. You're right. You were not meant to carry that big backpack of rocks. That burden was not meant for you to carry a lifetime. You were made for something more. And that backpack has become a comfortable distraction from what you were meant to do. And so if you can do find the courage to do the hard work of addressing what's, what that pain is, then the beauty of once you've healed through it is that it's no longer painful to, to talk about it and share it for the purpose of helping somebody else address theirs as well. And so that's significance. And when your pain can be used for good of releasing someone else from the weight of their heavy backpack, then, I mean, we're all, we talk about youth ministry, we're all kids inside inside of all of us. I mean, I'm 51 years old, but I'm telling you, I can tap into how I felt around this time, getting close to Christmas when I was 10 years old. I can tell you what I got when I was 10 years old for Christmas. It was three bears stuffed animals and I was sick with the <laughs> flu. And I, but I mean, we, we're all kids. We all are, we're, as humans, we're all kids inside. And if we can heal that inner child of the things that, you know, I'm not talking about drudging up every wound. I'm just talking about some deep wounds that hold us back uh, that we weren't meant to carry for a lifetime. If we can let those go and then talk about them for the sake of helping someone else let theirs go just a little bit earlier than we let ours go, then what a powerful purpose to give our life to. This is great. This is great. This, yeah, yeah. Really, really. This, is this just, is just confirming, confirming that your love for me. Yes, because is it's so affirming and 
in that way. I think that that's just so awesome. So. <laughs> oh, thank you. I'm glad. Your love language. <laughs> Let's take it. I want to ask a question we ask all of our guests um, here is what is the greatest piece of advice that you have ever been given? I always um, love the reaction that I get from the guests whenever I ask that question. <laughs> you know, um, well, I was trying to think like, well, how do I fit this to this group? So I'm just going to give it to you as it is and then you let it fall how it, how it was. I would say the best advice I'd ever been, I've been given was from my mom and it was when I was getting married and she said, Tracy, your husband will not meet all of your needs. That's why you're going to need friends. And let me tell you why that has been the best advice, because I think in our happily ever, ever, ever after mindset in this world, we think that um, when we get married, you know, once the shoe fits and, and the ring goes on um, and we ride off into the sunset, then suddenly our life gets perfect. And I, and I think um, what that set me up to understand is like Casey Casey holds a very unique and distinct role in my life that no one else will ever play that role in my life. But he does not, we don't have to have the same interests in travel and the same interests in music and the same interests in movies and the same things that we like to do in free time or to the, the kinds of things we like to talk about and, you know, kind of get into. That's why I do need friends. And I think sometimes... I, I, what I've seen with a lot of friends and people that we've done marriage mentoring in is I think people assume that one person meets all of their needs. Mm -hmm. And that's not really the way that God designed what I believe that God designed marriage to be that we team up and he, he is strong where I am weak and I am strong where he is weak in areas that cause friction between us, but bring out the best in us through that friction. Um, but really we do need people. And that means other people need to speak into my life, not just Casey, but I, that means other people need me to speak into their life. And so it taught me that don't expect too much of your husband and don't expect too much of yourself in your husband's life, but also know that you have something to bring to other people's lives and other people have something to bring into your life as well. I think that relates very well to youth in general, that they need to understand that they need those powerful relationships. For sure. To, to build themselves up and be so careful. Let me just say friends, be so careful. I've had friends give me very well and mean, well-meaning, well-meaning advice. That was, that was sincere and sincerely wrong. I mean, uh, who you allow to speak into your life. That's if I could leave a parting advice, that would just be, be so choosy who you allow to speak into your life and be very discerning don't let everything, every word that comes out of one person's mouth think it's all the truth. Just be very discerning because sometimes I, someone can say something really that settles and then somebody can say something that you're like, I'm not sure that lands right because we all misspeak, right? So just be discerning when people speak into your life because it really matters. I'll ask this because of all the things behind you. What's your favorite John Maxwell book? <laughs> you know, this is his complete library and he has autographed every book. And he came really? to my house. He came to my house one day for dinner and we have some silly pictures of us standing in front of this wall together. Um, I would say probably my most, the most impactful book 
Uh, I love all of his books. This is his most, his most recent one is change your world. I guess I leaned the wrong way, but um, <laughs> 21 irrefutable laws of leadership came uh -huh. at a time in my life that I know that's the one that's sold the most copies, but that one really has made a big difference. But I would, I, I'm going to, I'm going to give you two. The other one would be the 360 degree leader mm -hmm. because in the business that I was in with Beachbody, it's network marketing. So you have people who are cross-line, there is upline and then the company, because I was a founder. So my upline was really like the company and then a downline. And so it really, that book talked about how to serve people who you serve that, that are coming up underneath you, who are across from you and you serve right shoulder to shoulder and who you serve who are kind of leading the show. And that book really helped me to understand, uh, oh, I have a, I have a place to serve no matter where I am in an organization, there's always a place to serve. How can our audience find your book? Oh, that's so nice of you to ask. It's coming out in the spring of 2022. But if you go to tracymara.com and there is, there will be a link there that you, it'll pop up and it'll say how to get on. Um, by the time the book comes out, so if you're listening to this way later and the book is already out, um, there will be, you'll, it'll be very evident, but there'll be a pop-up that says, get on Tracy's pre-order list. And I hope that you will. And I, this book is really for somebody who is engaged or newly married or married for a while and, and are finding like, we are not landing on the same page. I, we feel like we've grown apart or which spoiler, everyone feels like they've grown apart at some point in their marriage and several times <laughs> you would not be growing if you didn't feel like you had grown apart because no two people grow at the exact same time in the exact same direction in the exact same path. And the beauty of marriage is learning to grow back together even as you're growing at two different paces in two different directions in two different ways. That's the beauty and the challenge of marriage. So um, that's who this book is for. So if you go to Tracy Morrow and Tracy with an I and Morrow like Morrow, like tomorrow, not marrow, like bone marrow. And if you go there, um, I would love for you to check it out and um, give it a whirl. Well, Tracy, thank you for, for joining us today. Uh, Thanks for having me, James. And also thank you for being the person with the smile of joy on some workouts that I could look at <laughs> when I was really wanting to throw something at the television screen sure. and I'll look over and you were actually, okay, well, I don't feel, uh, why, yeah, why, you know, those these Atlas things with a medicine ball one time and it was hurting my back and I was like, I'm going to throw. And then you were like, and I was like, I can't drop it now. <laughs> so thank and she's you she's annoying that 30 something year old girl isn't she annoying <laughs> <laughs> so thank you thank you so much for your time and audience listen someone you know needs to hear this message so please like share and comment on this uh connect with tracy online and we appreciate you've uh, joined us today and we'll be back again next week with another episode of the gen z show Thank you for joining us on the Gen Z Show and being a part of our community. Please subscribe to our channels on YouTube and on your favorite podcast app. Follow us too on Instagram and Facebook to get weekly updates. Until our next show, have a blessed day.